Well, last week, you will remember that uh, we, we talked about the uh, rapture of the church and the uh, uh, judgment seat of Christ. And, uh, and, I, and I told you how that uh, once we finish the church age, there's two bridges in your Bible for the New Testament, actually three, but we've already covered the one. The first one would be Matthew and Acts, the bridge that comes in from the Old Testament, a nation of Israel, into the Gentiles and into the church. We've covered that in our dispensation. Then you have two more bridges that take you uh, out of the church age uh, and then uh, into the uh, millennium. And that bridge will be obviously the uh, uh, rapture of the church. So I wanted you to, even though that that's not a dispensation in itself, <clears throat> I want you to know the order of the major events. Uh, and then we also talked about the marriage of the Lamb and the marriage supper, which takes place during the tribulation. They're not a bridge, but they're events that you need to be able to place in your timeline of your Bible. But the other bridge then, and we may not, we probably won't get into it, but we'll get into it next week as we move in, will be the second coming of Christ. Where the rapture bridges you from the church age into the tribulation, the second coming bridges you from the tribulation into the millennium. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. Now, the next dispensation that uh, we're going to talk about uh, will be the tribulation period. When the rapture takes place, the Holy Spirit of God is taken out. And this is the time where God begins to uh, deal with the nation of Israel. I told you the other day, you know, that there's seven judgments, uh, seven judgments found in the Bible. And one of those judgments will be the judgment of the nation of Israel. Um, and that would be the tribulation period. That's where God finally brings the nation of Israel to her knees uh, because we're coming to the end of God's plan uh, for earth and everything now has been, to God's satisfaction, has been dealt with and now we're getting ready to move into the uh, next part of the, of the program. So this next, di ne next dispensation, is that uh, for me, uh, you taping me? Put it up here so you get a good quality. It's okay, put it up here. Yeah, put it right there, you betcha. The next dispensation, as I said, will look at the tribulation period. Now, you're going to find when you're coming through your Bible, you're going to find several names for the tribulation period. And, you know, you want to be able to, when you see that, you want to be able to mark that in your Bible, that what you're dealing with. One of them will be Daniel's 70th week. And Daniel's 70th week, wherever you read it, will be um, uh, the tribulation period. Without getting into a long uh, study on it, because it would take the whole time, Daniel's, just so you have a concept of it, Daniel's 70th week is laid out in the book of Daniel. And uh, it's found in Daniel... It's found in Daniel chapter 9, and it's a, it's a 
dream that Nebuchadnezzar has that Daniel interprets for him. Uh, and it, remember now, the book of Daniel is about the times of the Gentiles. And what, what Daniel's 70th week does, it gives you the timeline uh, all through the uh, New Ta- old, part of the Old Testament, all through, through the New Testament. And it, it, it basically covers 490 years. And the model is that you have uh, each year is, represents seven years. So when you have, uh, you know, 70, each week, excuse me, uh, is, uh, is a seven years. So when you have 70 weeks, you have 490 years. And it's the time from the building of the temple uh, that, uh, the, uh, when they go back up to uh, the second coming of Christ. So it's a prophecy given about Christ's coming during the times of the Gentiles that God is going to come back to the nation of Israel. And it runs 70 weeks. Now, just to, and again, I'm not getting into all the details of it, but I want you to basically understand it. We come up through the Old Testament into, uh, up into the New Testament and Christ shows up at the 69th week. That is the, marks the first coming of Christ. And it's all in here. Uh, sometime if you want, we'll go through it. It's a, but you know, I just want you to grist the concept. I don't want to pull off what I'm doing. It's a thing where you know, it runs from uh, the dedication of the temple uh, up to um, you know, the coming of Christ, when, when, when Cyrus decrees for them to go back and they build a temple in Ezra and Nehemiah. From that point on, up to the time of Christ is 69 weeks. If they would have accepted Christ as the Messiah, you know, it would have fulfilled, we're right there at the 69th week at the end, it would have fulfilled that 70th week, which would have been the Lord coming back and establishing the millennium. But they rejected him. So when they reject him, they reject him at this, from the time frame, the 69th week, which leaves one week or seven years that have not been laid out yet or transpired yet. So that will be the seven years of the tribulation period. So what you have, just so you get in your head, you have the 69 weeks, or excuse me, you have the 70 weeks being the prophecy on Christ coming back, 69 of those weeks are fulfilled when Christ shows up. They reject him and crucify him. So God stops counting the time or the weeks right there, moves into the church age. Church age runs 2,000 years. And then when God raptures us out and begins to deal with the nation of Israel, that will be... Daniel's 70th week. That'll be the last seven years that make up the 70, um, so just, which will be the tribulation period. I just want you to understand that. Now, is there anybody that, that I did not, if I, did, I try to make it simple, but, you know, it's early morning and I only had one cup of coffee. So do I need to clarify that better for anybody? I mean, I, all I want you to get is the concept. I don't want you to get in all, everybody got that, Mark? Okay, good. The next thing you're going to find in the Bible, it's called Jacob's time of trouble. 
Now, sometimes this will just be called a time of trouble. But wherever you find that phrase, obviously, Jacob, back in Genesis, gets his name changed to Israel. So we know that it's Israel's time of trouble, or sometimes it's just called the time of trouble. Wherever you find that, the context will be, uh, without a doubt, the context will be of the tribulation period. You're going to find these basically, uh, Jacob's time of trouble and the time of trouble in the Old Testament. And so you just want to, when you're coming through your Bible and you're studying something else, or I give them to you in a Bible study, you don't have them marked, you want to mark them in there, put them in yellow, highlight them with China markers, and then write tribulation period, just so you have that. That will give you the context of any passage that you're, you're looking at or you're reading it immediately. You know what you're dealing with. And this is the key to getting the Bible down. The key to getting the Bible down is just seeing those key words, which we already did early on, and the phrases, and then marking them or remembering them. Don't try to remember them. I can't. I mark them in there so you know what they're dealing with. And then you'll also find where it's called uh, um, the tribulation, and sometimes it's called the great tribulation. That's because... The tribulation is divided into two, uh, two periods of three and a half years each. The first three and a half years is simply called the tribulation. The second three and a half years is called the great tribulation. And what happens here is that the, when the Antichrist shows up, the first three and a half years everything goes really well. He sets up his deception to annihilate and wipe out the nation of Israel. So you're going to find that in that time period of the first three and a half years, this is where the Bible says that he brings in peace and safety. He lulls the world into a false security by solving all the problems that we see around us today that nobody in office can ever solve. He'll solve them very quickly. And when he does, you know, the whole world looks to him and he makes a false alliance with the nation of Israel, even though his main goal is to destroy them. And for the first three and a half years, that's when he uh, puts everybody to sleep. At the middle of that week, he turns on the nation of Israel And this is called the Great Tribulation. And this is where for the last three and a half years, he wipes every, uh, tries to wipe them off the face of the planet. Now, in the book of Revelation, we've talked about this before, and I'm just giving you information here. We've showed you how that the book of Revelation starts through the church age. We studied that a couple of times ago. Then you got the rapture in chapter 4. And then are you into the tribulation from chapter 5, basically to chapter 18 or 19, which starts with the second coming. And I've told you that you have, coming through Revelation, four accounts of the second coming of Christ. Those four accounts will all deal with the second half of the tribulation, not the first half, just so you know that. And uh, it's a thing where you, you, most people think, and this is where they get screwed up in the book of Revelation, they think that 
each one of these, the seals, the trumpets, the vials, they all are happening. This happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. That's not true. It's all happening at the same time. It's just four different counts of that same three and a half year period. Like I've told you many times, like you have four counts of the three and a half year period when Christ shows up at the first coming. So uh, this is what you're into. Now, turn over to... uh, Turn over to Matthew chapter 24, and I want to walk you through this if you don't have this already laid out. Matthew chapter 24 will be your definitive chapter on the tribulation period. All the other things that we would look at will come back and hook up, line up, connect up to this. Matthew chapter 24. Now, none of this here, as anything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, directly has anything to do with the church age. This is all about, this is all about the tribulation period. And within this are all the key words that you need to um, get in addition to the ones that I've already given you. Now, this is, like I said, uh, this is the, This is the definitive chapter on the tribulation period and the great tribulation. So let's start out in 24.1 and walk through this. He says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one uh, here, one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now he's obviously talking about <clears throat> historically. He's talking about just so you put your notes in your Bible. Historically, he's making a reference to Titus coming down in seventy A.D., and that's exactly what Titus does. Prophetically, he's talking about the tribulation period. Now look at the context where they're at. Verse 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, that's the exact spot where he comes back at the second coming of Christ, the Mount of Olives. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. Now, I want you to notice that they ask him two questions. And if I were you, in my Bible, I have between verse 3 and 4 with my red china marker, but if you get them, make sure that you disinfect them so you don't get the disease from China. I drew a line between verse 3 and verse 4. And out to that line, above the line, I put these are the two questions that they ask him about his one sign of thy coming and the end of the world. And then from four to the end of the chapter, he answers those two questions. Now, I've told you before, 
would somebody run out and get me a couple Kleenex on the thing out there? <coughs> I'm, I'm, oh, look at this. This is, this, this is a man with a servant's heart. He carried those Kleenex for four years knowing that I would need them someday. They're used, but it's okay. Attitude of heart. Josh is still looking for the Kleenex box out there, but he's a good man too. Josh is a good man worth more money. Thank you, Josh. Oh, you were going to the bathroom. I'm sorry. I thought you were helping me out. So, verse 4 on, verse 4 on is the answer to these questions. Now, this is what I try to do for you because this is how you learn your Bible. You've got to break these chapters down. Now, most people, and you see this all the time, especially with the guys who call in on Thursday night Bible study. They, they, they just jump into a chapter, <clears throat> see a verse, don't understand it, and immediately want to know what the verse means. And of course, you know, that's never the way to approach your Bible. Now, I know you do that till you get a handle on it. I get that. <clears throat> but this is why with you, who we spend so much time together, I always try to do that for you and keep reminding you that that's what you have to do. You have to be able to, to, uh, to, be able to break these chapters down. Now, not only did we break the chapter down like I showed you, now we're going to see the key words that will break the tribulation down for you. And that's how the Bible works. And obviously, you can see when somebody then destroys the words in the Bible, then, you know, this is, this is, what, you, this is what, you, what you're left with, and this is why nobody can figure it out today. So, he's at the Mount of Olives. You want to put that there in your notes, second coming. And two key questions that they ask him. What's going to be the sign of thy coming? That'll be Revelation 19.11, second coming. And what will be the end of the world? That'll be Revelation chapter 20, uh, the millennium. And then verse 4, draw your line through. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, you can make a spiritual application here. Uh, into the church age, even though that, you know, it's directly not. It's talking about the people that you always will find when, uh, who always will imitate, um, you know, everything that he is. And of course, he's primarily talking about the Antichrist here in his crowd. Many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Fundamentally, that's the Antichrist. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all those things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For eight nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places, and all these are the beginning of sorrow. Now, you want to mark next verses 6, 7, and 8. Fundamentally, this is where your most of the charismatics and a lot of stupid Baptist preachers the evangelical crowd don't have enough brains to get into something like this, so they just jump right over it. But the, you, you're going to find that guys will take these three verses and try to put them into the times that we're living now. Uh, I even saw a study put out by a pastor. He actually preaches to his people. He went back all the way to 1800 or whenever it was, 
and calculated how many earthquakes we've had and, and, and showed how that we're getting more earthquakes, and this is proof that the Lord is coming. Obviously, you know, it's a thing where, you know, people can look at the, you know, the, 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 the disease and the earthquakes and, uh, you know, and the wars that are taking place, nation against nation. And you could actually make a case for that uh, based on what's happening in our world. But that's not what the verse is talking about. The verse is talking about the first half of the tribulation period going into the second half. And uh, this is not a rise of earthquakes from 1800 to 2020. But all of this that he's talking about is in the tribulation period. Notice, it's the Jews that are asking, what are the sign of thy coming? That would not be in the church age. All this is dealing with the tribulation period. Notice verse 8. All this is the beginning of sorrows. This takes place in the first half of the tribulation, even though there is a false peace, like anything else, there's underground rumbling going on. And uh, and then verse 9, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now, this is the verse that would tell you that it isn't dealing in the church age. It's dealing with the nation of Israel. Because verse 9 clearly is, is moved down to the last half and, and, and they're trying to kill him. And many shall be offended uh, and betray one another and shall hate one another. You'll find you don't have your notes on this. You want to put by verse uh, 9 and 10, Matthew 10, 22 and Luke chapter 12, verse 53. This is where the actual families uh, betray each other uh, during the tribulation period. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And and because iniquity shall uh, abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And, uh, you know, this is uh, verse 13. It comes your first key word. But he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. I'm going to say 98% of the time, but I'm just saying that because it, I, I, I don't know of any, and I don't want to be, say, 100% when there may be one out there that I missed, but I don't know of any. Anytime you find the word endure, the context is going to be the tribulation period. The nation of Israel, the Jew, that does not take the mark of the beast, when all this finally hits, has to endure unto the end to be saved, or he gets his head cut off by beheaded, like it is in the book of Revelation. And uh, you'll find that, uh, um, you know, anytime you find this. Let me show you um, Matthew chapter uh, uh uh, 25. Now, I want to I give you something else here, too, before I do that. Verse 13, and he that shall endure unto the end. That phrase will be always be the tribulation, but the word endure by itself will, and in most cases, the word the end will, too. And uh, 
So when you find that, watch those three key words because they're always going to determine the context for you. Sometimes they'll be used together. Sometimes they won't. But watch those words. And then verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom. Now, here's another key. Uh, You're going to find that uh, the gospel of the kingdom has nothing to do with the gospel of the grace of God that we're preaching. Here again, I've given you many times, there's seven different gospels in the, in, the new, in the Bible. And the word gospel means good news. And so this is the gospel not of the grace of God. This is the gospel of the kingdom. And this will be the kingdom of heaven, the establishment of the nation of Israel in Jerusalem. And so it says, and the gospel uh, of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, another word you want to look for is the word nations. That will always be a key word. Turn over to Matthew chapter 28. Now, Matthew chapter 28, and go to verse 19. All of my Christian life in Baptist churches, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to the end of the chapter, which is just a couple of verses here, has been taught to God's people as the great commission given to the church. And of course, Nothing could be farther from the truth. If there was ever one teaching that showed the stupidity of Baptist preachers when it come to them understanding the Bible, it would be a place like this. And I, you know, I, I stand amazed at sometimes, uh, and, and like I said, I've heard this for almost 50 years. Um, you know, the very few guys that I ever hung out with that were the good guys who really knew their Bible got this laid out. I mean, but all the Baptist preachers of the day, and even today, would tell you that Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20 is the great commission to the church. Therefore, they operate their churches based on Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Matthew chapter 28, 19, 20 is not the great commission to go to the world for the church. You'll find that one over there in Acts chapter 10, not in Matthew chapter 28. And let me show you how you know that. Now, let's just read it with what we know and get out of the mindset of being a New Testament Christian and thinking that that is the, 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 the deal. And I'll tell you, you know, Thursday night, the guy that asked that question on uh, the, um, you know, uh, people in the Old Testament looking forward to the cross and then we looking back to the cross, that kind of mindset fosters this kind of heresy in his teaching because it, everybody starts looking at the Bible from a Christian standpoint. And when you do that, you lose your complete perspective of the Bible. And I've told you many times, you never want to study the Bible 
from a New Testament Christian standpoint because it's a very small part of the Bible. You want to study the Bible from God's standpoint. And when you do that, then the dispensations like I'm giving you right now will speak to you, keep you from getting into trouble and keep you from making a fool out of yourself when it comes to uh, not understanding the scriptures. Now, let's look at this. We just saw in Matthew 24 that about the nations. Now watch. Go ye therefore, he's talking to the 12, well, really 11 apostles. They lost Judas. He's talking to the 11 apostles here and he's given them their commission. Now, their commission only lasts, if you know your Bible, to Acts chapter 7. And then it goes to the Gentile church. And their commission is found in Matthew or Acts chapter 10. So you want to remember that. Now look, go ye. Who's the ye? That's the first question you ask yourself. Every Baptist preacher on the planet wants to read that as every Baptist and every saved person in the church age. That's not who he's talking to. He says, go ye therefore. He's talking to the 11 apostles. And teach all, here it comes, nations. The church, nowhere. I know missions is about going to other nations. I get that. But New Testament Christianity is going to other people in those nations, not the nations themselves. There is no place in the New Testament where Paul tells us to go to nations. Now, I would think that somebody with half a brain would get that. Answered my own question. They don't even have half a brain. It's nations. Now, if you want to run back to the paper trail, (laughs) don't even go there with me. I don't even want to talk about it. But you got to have one. <coughs> and no, I have not received it yet. I mean, there was a roll in the bathroom hanging on that little rack. That may have been, that may be the paper trail he's talking about. Called toilet paper. Anyway, if you want to go back and see the paper trail about this, I, I don't know if you want to write these down. I'll go kind of slow, but don't raise your hand and say, what was the fifth one? Because I don't remember. Psalm 96.3. Psalms 93, Psalms 94, Psalms 95, Psalms 46, 9, and 10, Psalms 96, the whole chapter, I think, Psalms 97, Psalms 98, Psalms 99, Psalms 100. Now, there's probably some more that I don't have here. But if you go back and look these up, these are called, remember I told you about the book of Psalms? I told you that the book of Psalms was about three things. It was about the tribulation period, the second coming, and the millennium. These are all called the millennial Psalms. And at some time on a rainy afternoon when your cable's out, I'd go to each one of these and label them. Um, 
And you're going to find when each one of these, every one of them, you know what the reference is? The nations. In the millennial reign of Christ, we take the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. Baptizing in them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. This has nothing to do with the church age. Not a thing. Verse 20. Here, here comes the kicker. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, let me ask you a question. Where would those things be? They'd be in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 10, the Sermon on the Mount given to the nation of Israel that they'll take and teach to the nations during this time. I mean, come on. I mean, how stupid are you? And then look what he says. Whatsoever I have commanded you, that's not the church. That's the 11 apostles. Where were they commanded at? Matthew chapter 10 when he sent them out. The gospel of the kingdom. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. There it is. Just what the apostles were asking back there in chapter 24. And of course, this is where every Baptist church, every Baptist preacher, and I'd say 99%, 9.99 Christians take their baptism from, take their great commission from, and take everything from. And it's absolutely heresy from a Bible standpoint. And uh, all it does is show how inept somebody is with the scriptures, that you can't be able to f- divide that out. And this is what we call rightly dividing the word of truth. So, come on back to Matthew chapter 24. Verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto... See that thing now? Does it make sense to you? The nations. This chapter has nothing to do with the church. Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, has nothing to do with the church. It was given to the apostles on the basis that the millennium was going to start up and that commission in 28 of Matthew carried them through to Acts chapter 7 and then it changes in Acts chapter 10. The baptism changes, everything changes. And of course, you know, what can I tell you? Now verse 15 is another key verse. Now when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Now the abomination of desolations is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, that's another companion chapter of the Antichrist that you want to put somewhere here with Matthew chapter 24. Here's what I do. If somebody asks me about the tribulation period, look, I know you all think I'm brilliant. Not true. Man, I'll tell you what. 
I had to develop a system to remember the Bible. I, and the older you get, the more you hang on to that system. And what I decided and figured out many, many years ago is instead of remembering, I mean, on the tribulation period alone, what? Probably 500 references to it, at maybe. At least 50 to 100 real important ones. Am I going to remember all of those? Are you kidding me? No. So I decided years ago to find one spot for every subject that somebody is going to ask me about or I wanted to study for myself. And on that one spot, it's a lot easier for me to remember 20 spots about one issue than it is 30,000 verses about 50 different spots. So, Matthew chapter 24. You asked me a question about the tribulation period. My def- I go, and I'm sorry, they're always, usually, in most cases, my def- go to the definitive chapter on it. So if you ask me a question about the tribulation, I go to Matthew chapter 24. I don't have to go anywhere else. I can teach you for the next 28 hours whatever moving out of Matthew chapter 24. Why? Because everything I need is right there. Because I can't remember it. And I'm not going to sit up here and say, oh, Bob's got a perfect photographic memory. Man, I'm not, if I got a photographic memory, I ran out of film about 10 years ago. <laughs> I, I have a tough time remembering anything. So I have to use a system. And I'm going to tell you right now, you need a system. <coughs> Maybe my system won't work for you. I don't know why it wouldn't, but everybody's different. But I'm telling you, you got to have a systematic system. So when you talk about subjects in the Bible, you have one place you can go that you have everything that you need. And then you can branch out wherever you need to go from there. That is what you have to come up with at some point in your life. And you have to do that yourself. I can give you all the information, and I always do. I can give you the key words, but you have to put it into a workable format for yourself. And if you don't do that, may I speak frankly, coming here every week and just taking the stuff home and doing nothing with it isn't going to teach you nothing about the Bible. You have to develop a system. It's just that simple. So verse 15 says, When therefore see the abomination of desolation, the other chapter that will go along with that will be 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. Another one that will go along with that will be Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. That will bring in the holy place that they're told to stand in. Daniel chapter 8, verse 13 will be another reference that you want on the abomination of desolations. And Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 5 will fit in there. Now, let me tell you what the abomination of desolations is. And you just want to put a quick little reference that, not a big lengthy one. That's something else you want to learn to do. <coughs> you want to learn to abbreviate lengthy statements down to a short concept that will give you everything you need to know. We say it again. You need to get the ability that you take a lengthy statement and bring it down to a working, small concept that when you put it in your Bible, it triggers all the things that you need to know. Um, Years ago, when I first started my Bible, 
I, uh, the, the, my original Bible. I, I'm, I, you know, I was young, just like you, and I, I did not understand nor realize the incredible importance in a wide-margin Bible of saving every inch of those wide margins. I had to learn the hard way. If I had my Bible here, my original, and you would go back to Genesis and, 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 and with an ink pen, I mean, not even a rapidograph, with an ink pen, you know, in Genesis chapter two, three, and big, they took up that much of a way, the story of Adam and Eve. Well, congratulations, Bob. That's good. That's deep. You just wasted a whole concept of notes that you could have had, but you didn't. And then, you know, God always gives you what you need and white out. What can I tell you? You know what? And it's a thing where when I redid my Bible, I probably kicked out half of the things that I had written the way I did because by that time I learned to condense them down. And I'm telling you, you better learn it now. I'm telling you. And so it's a thing where you, you want to learn to do that. So you want to put this, what I'm about to give you about Daniel's 70th week, you want to put it, I'm going to give you more information than you need to put in. You need to learn how to cut that down and just get you what you want. The abominable desolations found in the Bible will simply be after the first three and a half years, he comes in, he gets on the, he gets uh, to be the president of the world, so to speak, probably through the United Nations. And then at the breaking point of the middle of the week, this is where he reveals his true being. He goes into the temple of God, which has been rebuilt in some form. He goes into the temple of God. This is where he sits down on the mercy seat of the Holy of Holies, and he claims now to be very God. You know, you've seen this all down through the history of the world in, in Kmart form. When I say Kmart form, I'm talking about in a cheap imitation form. The Roman emperors all thought they were God and sat on the throne. Pharaoh thought they were God and sat on the throne. It's not unlike all these pagan rulers to follow that line and claim their divinity. Shoot, even during World War II, Japan had an emperor who was a god in their minds. And of course, that all comes back from the Bible. So he goes into the into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, sits down and claims now and demands worship because he claims himself to be God. That is the abomination of desolation. And obviously when he does that, then he requires the whole world to worship him as God. And this is where he has them take the number, 666, or his name, uh, or his mark. And, uh, you know, this is, this is what the abomination of desolations is. So he says in verse 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, Daniel 11, Daniel 8, we gave it to you already, then, you know, they're supposed to understand. And at this point, God reveals to them what is going on. Now, let me 
let me say here that during this part of the last half of the tribulation, some of the Old Testament prophets show back up again. Uh, I'll show you that here in a, in a minute. Moses for sure, Elijah for sure, probably Jeremiah for sure. And, it, and it, so there's some kind of connection between them popping up and Israel finding out because when this happens, they now know that they've been duped. And verse 16 says, let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains and let them which is on a housetop not come down to take anything uh, out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Remember, I we went through this in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 9, back in tw- chapter 21. This is the Antichrist claims to be God. He now orders all the nations that are with him to surround and attack Jerusalem. This has been done in historic, in, in type in history with Nebuchadnezzar, 606 B.C., Shennacherib, 721. Both boys are type of the Antichrist. So we see it, a picture of this all down through history. So they're up on the housetop and the roof with their binoculars seeing these armies surround them, and now they know it's time to get out. And they flee. And this is where, uh, verse 19, And woe unto them that are with child, and are to them that give suck in those days. Now here is your, here is your next key words, phrase, those days. Watch it wherever you find it. I'm not going to tell you that every time you find it, it's going to be a tribulation. But again, I can't think of one that's not. But I'm leaving myself a little wiggle room here because I've not obviously looked at all of them, or I have, but I don't remember all of them. But I'm telling you, that's a key phrase. And of course, he says here, for then shall, uh, uh, but pray, verse 20, but pray that your flight not be in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. And the flight there, obviously them um, fleeing, I've had guys that, you know, want to make that a flight on an airplane. Uh, fine. If, if, let me tell you something. If, when the Antichrist comes, if, he, if you can get to the airport before he does, go for it. I don't think that's what it means, but it's okay. I'm not going to argue with you on it. Uh, verse 21. Now, here it is. Mark this verse in red. Put a, put a square around it. For then shall be great tribulation. There it is. There's your second half of the tribulation. Clearly defined for you the great tribulation. Since was not since the beginning of the world till this time, no, nor ever shall be. And that is your determining verse right there that separates the first half from the second half. Verse 22, and except those days, there it is again. Now, again, I I tell you what I do in my Bible um, just to show you what works for me. Some of it will work for everybody. Some of it won't. But I guarantee you in my Bible, 
wherever the phrase those days are, it's either marked in yellow or on the line in red. I, I, all the key words were, you know, through just through the process of time. You'll see me on Thursday night <coughs> uh, or with my Lincoln Bible study, you know, uh, somebody will ask a question and I'll turn to it and it'll be someplace that, that I don't have it marked and I'll, I'll stop and mark it right there. I mean, I'm not got 100% of everything, but you, if you look through my Bible, you will find that every key word, every key phrase is either in yellow or underlined in red, simply because the moment I go there, pops up, shows me the context. It saves me from having to put a note in. And, uh, you know, so it, at some point, you know, you're, you're going to have to do that. So verse 22, except those days, there it is again, be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, the shortening of the days, and here again, I've had guys say, teach, you know, God's going to change it from a 24-hour day uh, to a, you know, 10-hour day. And of course, come on. I mean, uh, that's not what it's talking about. The shortening of the days has nothing to do with how long the sun is up. The shortening of the days means that God's going to come back and put an end to the tribulation period, and if he doesn't, all the Jews are going to get killed. That's what it's talking about. Now, the key word, the elect, uh, that's another word you want to mark in your Bible. That's a greatly misunderstood concept. Uh, it's a thing where the word elect will always deal with the nation of Israel. And, uh, you know, it's a thing where uh, you just want to, when you see that, you want to watch it. Calvin wants to make the elect guys who are predestinated. And, you know, so you just, these are key words that you want to get down. Verse 23, then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, inasmuch as it were possible they would deceive the very elect. Obviously, this is the last part of the tribulation period. This is the rise of the Antichrist, Revelation 12 and 13, and all the people that are following him, that are getting on board with him. Um, and then he says, Behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth, behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Now, the secret chambers, uh, you know, that you find here uh, will deal with the uh, uh, places that uh, the Jew is hiding during the tribulation period. And uh, it, uh, it, it, they, run, they run into the wilderness and they run into the, uh, what is called the rock city, Sila Petra. And of course, this is where they hide in the, last, in the wilderness and this would be the secret chambers. And it's basically somebody telling the Jew that Christ is here and then they go there and it's a trap. And the Antichrist is waiting for him. And that's what you have a lot of. You'll find another key word that you'll want to find uh, in the Old Testament will be the word net, N-E-T, like internet. Uh, 
and the word snare. Because during this last three and a half years, this is what the Antichrist does. He sets traps, snares, nets. This is what he's talking about. And of course, this has happened all down through history, uh, especially in World War II with the hiding of the Jews in, in Europe. Now, verse 27 moves us into verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. Now we're moving from the great tribulation into the second coming of Christ. Now, all this up to this point has been an answer to the second question. End of the world. He's given them the answer to the second question they ask. And of course, verse 27 now is the second coming. Verse 28, forever uh, the carcass is, uh, there will be the eagles gathered together. This is the battle of Armageddon, Revelation 16, 8, uh, uh, 6, thir- uh, 12 through 13, uh, Revelation 8, 12, uh, Joel 2, 10, uh, Joel fourteen fifteen Matthew twenty five. This will be this will be the great battle of Armageddon, uh, and it takes place immediately after the uh, twenty eight. For whosoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered. And uh, verse twenty nine. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. Then shall all the tribes, you see that? Twelve of them. Israel of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. And, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect, there it is again, from four, the four winds from one end to the other. Now, you want to mark in your Bible verse 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31 will all be the second coming of Christ and the battle of Armageddon that takes place at the second coming. So from verse three, uh, verse four, where he answers them, up to verse thirty-one, he now and you want to put this in here and you want to mark it somehow. He answers the second question that they ask, which is the end of the world. Now he answers the first question: What shall be the sign of thy coming? Verse 32. For now learn a parable of the fig tree, when his branch is yet tender, he putteth forth leaves, know ye that the summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. For verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. All right, verse um, 32. 
up, come on down to verse 37. That'll, this will all be the sign. And the sign that he gives is the nation of Israel becoming a nation and established in the land, which she did in 1948, May the 15th, 1948. And what he's saying here, and again, Israel uh, in the Bible is always a picture of a fig tree. And when the fig tree gets It buds, and then it put forth leaves. You know that the summer is nigh. Now, Israel is likened to a fig tree, and if you remember, back in the New Testament, Christ came out and saw the fig tree that uh, had no fruit on it. It would be Matthew twenty-one nineteen, and he curses the fig tree. Other places will be Luke chapter 13, verse 6, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 13. And what it's dealing with, and you want to put down Nahum chapter 3, verse 12, too. What you have here is that Israel as a fig tree, one of the many ways to study Israel, was to bear fruit. And she never did because of the sin. So she goes into captivity as a barren, fruitless fig tree. And of course, when she goes through the tribulation period, when she comes into the millennium, this is where she finally bears fruit. Now, up to 1948, Israel had was no nation anywhere on the planet. She, would, she was scattered all over the place. The great prophecies in the Old Testament say that God is going to bring her back and going to restore her. In 1918 to 1948, you saw the process for God to bring her back and now in 48, she becomes a nation. And now she is established as a nation back in the homeland. So it says, when his branch is yet tender, he putteth forth leaves, know yet the summer is nigh. So in 1948, she put forth her leaves. But she will not bear the fruit till in the millennium. Because he has to go through the tribulation. What he's saying here to the answer to the first question, the sign of thy coming, is that when you see the nation of Israel be established as a nation, put forth her leaves, you know that not one generation is going to pass from that till all these things that he's speaking of here in chapter 24, which is the tribulation period, will come to pass. So he's basically telling them the sign of his coming is going to be when you see Israel back in the land as a nation, you know that it's near even at the doors. And you've got one generation. Now that generation there will be the generation. Say a guy is born in, say there's 50, say there's 100 million people born in, in 1948. That is the generation of 1948. That generation will go on until the last person born in 1948 dies, and then that generation will end. That's what he's talking about. We're seeing it that the generation of World War I vets is closed the door. They're all dead. World War II guys are dying 2,400 a day. 
it won't be long that they're gone. Vietnam guys are, you know, dying at a rate also that won't be long before they're gone. And that will close the books on our generations. Now, obviously, the problem that you have here trying to figure all this out will be what, what generation is he going by? And, of course, there's no answer to that. I mean, there's four or five different generations in the Bible, uh, from 120 years to 100 years to 70 years to 42 years to 47 years. So it's a thing where, obviously, he's not going by 42, 47. That time has passed. It's somewhere up in the 70s or the 100 or the 120s. I would say that probably not 120, but certainly... Um, at the outstretched 100. And it doesn't mean that on the day that that last person dies, <coughs> that the rapture takes place. Doesn't mean that it doesn't, but I don't think it does. It can happen any time within that time frame. So that is the answer to the first question. And then he says, um, Verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In other words, he keeps telling us the key to all this is in the words, which I've given you all the time. Then he gives us another great key here. But of that day, mark that one if you don't have it, because that's second coming. And our knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, uh, but my father only. And then he says in verse 37, but as the, uh, as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Clearly giving you now a picture. And the picture is that if you want to see what it's going to be like before the Lord comes back, go look at it uh, in Noah's time. And you find everything there. Uh, you find Enoch being taken out, picture of the rapture of the church, and you got the tribulation taking place through the God judgment on the earth. And when you go to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 9, you will find a little hidden verse there that tells you that the time that Noah spends in the ark is in some kind of relationship to God's wrath being poured out on the Jew in the tribulation. They're connected. So, so you know, that's what you have. And... Uh, he tells you in verse 39 that, uh, that that's going to be like the sun. The other picture of the Bible is Sodom and Gomorrah, obviously. And it says, two women shall be grinding, verse 41, at the mill. One shall be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, for you know not the hour, uh, uh, hour your Lord cometh. Now, here again, there's three things you want to get here um, you, in the chapter. You want to get... Verse 36, it says, but of that day. Then it says in, in verse uh, 42, uh, a watch. <clears throat> that watch will be found in uh, Mark chapter 13. It'll be defined for you there. And then uh, know what hour, and that'll be found in uh, uh, chapter 20. It'll be defined for you there, Matthew 20. <clears throat> so those are three keys that give you light on what's happening here. <clears throat> Uh, therefore, be also ready for such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. And of course, this goes back to Matthew chapter 25 with the five wise and the uh, five foolish, the ten versions. So now he gives you, you've got two questions answered here. <clears throat> you've got the first answer 
uh, first uh, sign of thy coming uh, was answered the second part of the book. And the uh, uh, first part of the book was at the end of the world. And I, if you don't have this already done, I draw me with your red pencil again, a line between uh, verse 31 and verse 32, dividing those two out and give you what you got there. Now, I told you before that during this time period, um, I want to talk for just a minute about salvation in the tribulation period. And again, when the a lot of guys teach, I, I, I'm kidding you, almost every Baptist preacher that I know, uh, certainly the evangelicals, if they even believe in a tribulation anymore, they all teach that salvation in the tribulation is just like salvation today. And of course, that is totally ludicrous. If you know anything about your Bible at all, you know that when a rapture takes place, the Holy Spirit of God is taken out. So there is no salvation uh, like you and I got saved. It reverts back unto a um, you know, to an Old Testament scenario of them enduring into the end or getting their head cut off. And I've showed you before the two great verses in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, where it's talking about church age salvation. John says that Christ washed us from our own sin. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, which is the tribulation period, the Bible makes it clear that they have to wash their own robes. And they do that by enduring unto the end and, uh, you know, uh, Revelation fourteen twelve says that in the tribulation they have to keep their, <coughs> they have to keep good. Nobody said bless you. Good, good, good. You're all learning. They have to keep the commandments of God, Old Testament, and the faith of Jesus. Not Jesus Christ, but Jesus. That's based on Acts chapter 2, verse 38 which we talked about before. And of course, uh, 14.6 says that it's an everlasting gospel. So their salvation is completely different than ours. <clears throat> and the idea, again, that somebody's looking forward to the cross <clears throat> and we're looking back is just ludicrous. Um, as I said earlier, the Old Testament saints, some of them show up in the tribulation period. <clears throat> I'm not sure... <clears throat> How many? I know two for sure, probably three for sure. In Revelation chapter 11, the Bible talks about two witnesses. Those two witnesses are defined uh, in Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and again in James chapter 5, as Moses and Elijah. They are two key men in the Old Testament. Um, Moses represents the law, Elijah represents the prophets. <clears throat> so those two guys show back up. They do the miracles in the tribulation of judgment that they did in their earthly ministries here. Moses turns the water to blood. And of course, we have the former and the latter rain, which we've talked about uh, before that Elijah shuts up heaven that it doesn't rain. But then there's a third guy here that... Uh, in Matthew chapter 16, verses uh, 13 through 27, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? <clears throat> and their answer comes back. Some say John the Baptist, some say Moses and Elijah, <clears throat> and others say Jeremiah. Now, that's not an accident in your Bible. 
<clears throat> that's showing you, even though there's not a clear direct reference on it, for me, that's all that I need, showing that Jeremiah's probably going to pop back up too. And the reason why I say that is, is Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is the only man in the Bible that is commanded not to marry. And that's because he's a type of 144,000 in Revelation 7 and 14 that has to be virgin. And uh, so he represents the Jew in the tribulation period. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a key there that, that's probably he's connected into that some way, shape, or form. And so this is a, a really good um, concept for you on the tribulation period, giving you probably an unprecedented walk through it, which, you know, you have everything that you need to know in this dispensation. Next week, or next time together, we're going to move through the bridge of the second coming and we'll get into the millennium. Now, there's one last thing I want to give you here. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There's a teaching today. There's a teaching today that the church is going to go through the tribulation period. That teaching is based on men not understanding the three come up hithers in the Bible or the three parts of the rapture. So they see clearly somebody being raptured in the tribulation period and because they don't know how to rightly divide the Bible, they automatically think that that has to be the church. And, of course, that's not true. We know, we've laid it out many times, that the uh, that there's three parts to the rapture. The Old Testament saints, us, and then the tribulation saints. They're seeing the tribulation saints going up, not knowing how to put it into concept, so they're thinking that's the church. Now, you're going to run into some of those guys sometime, and when you do, uh, this is what you want to you want to look at. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse one. Paul writing to the church. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for you know for yourselves know that the perfect that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, second coming. Uh, for when they shall say peace and safety, that's the first half of the tribulation. Uh, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as to veil upon a woman with child. That's the second half, abomination of desolation. See how easy it is now once you get all that information? But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day, second coming, should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness. What he's saying here, we have the word of God and the light. Don't We need to understand how these things are happening so we don't get caught up in some heresy, what he's saying. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. For they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Now here it comes. Here's what he wants you to be sober about and understand. For God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The wrath there he's talking about is the wrath of God poured out on the nation of Israel in the tribulation period. God has not appointed us under wrath. The judgment seat of Christ is never called wrath of God. 
It's called the terror of the Lord. We talked about it the other night. Never called the wrath of God. You know why? Because that wrath was already poured out on God's Son on the cross for you and for me. He can't pour it out on us again. Israel had never had the wrath of God poured out on them. They rejected it, so they get it in the tribulation. See how easy that is? I mean, come on, man. It's so, it's so textbook, it's unbelievable. So, you know, these are the things you want to get down. And this is the dispensation of the tribulation. So it's a thing where we've got, you've got everything that there is on it. The key to it, and I'm just being honest with you, the key to it is going to get your system down and putting it into your Bible. And I know, I've, I know many of your Bibles, you know, we've worked through them together. You show me many of you have a good system down already, but it's a system that has to work for you. Can't be, I mean, my system in a lot of ways will work for you. I mean, certainly underlining everything will, but as far as condensing it and getting it where you need to have it, that has to work for you. I would suggest that you put it on the definitive chapters. I give them to you all the time. But you know what? You have to do your own deal, what works for you. And I get that. So I respect that. But I'm here to help you any way I can. If you want to sit down and say, hey, Bob, show me how I should do this. Or this is what I got. This is what I'm doing. What do you think? I'll be glad to help you any way I can. Because at the end of the day, the key is let your fingers do the walking through that book and you have everything at your fingertips. Thank God you don't have to have it up here but you do got to have it in here. And that's the key. And having it in here will determine what you do here, not here. So anyway, we'll hold up there.